everyone. Today, as our last guest of the month, there's no one we'd rather talk to than Kim Johnson. Kim is a teacher and music manager who has devoted so much of her time, resources, and knowledge to create a more environmentally conscious environment in schools and on tour. Kim is a co-founder of the Kakul Hawaii Foundation and the Johnson Ohana Foundation and is also on the advisory board of the organization Reverb. Thank you so much for being here, Kim. So Thanks so much for having me, you guys. This is really fun. Thanks for being here. We're so excited. So we wanted to start off by asking you about the Kokua Hawaii Foundation, which you founded. And if you could talk about some of the things that the organization does for the conservation of our environment and kind of the role you play with that. Sure. So Kukua Hawaii Foundation was founded, it's been 17 years now, and our mission is to support environmental education in the schools and communities of Hawaii. And we were really, Jack and I founded Kukua um, kind of out of, a, it was reactionary. There was some politics happening on the island about recycling programs. And our, our mayor couldn't figure out how to do a curbside recycling program. And there was, you know, different opinions on it. And we were just kind of joking. We're like, well, if in 20 years, if we start a recycling program in schools, in 20 years, we won't have this problem because it will just be second nature to people. Like recycling, you know, if people grow up knowing that recycling is important, we live on an island, we need to do this. So, so we're like, okay, well, there's not an organization doing this. Maybe we should start something that focus on, focuses on environmental education. And that's kind of where we started. And um, our recycling program was the first one. And then we, we were also really interested in gardens and school gardens and inspired by the edible schoolyard in Berkeley, which I don't know if you guys have been there or heard about it, but it's this amazing school garden that Alice Waters started. And we had visited that and we're, we really loved it. And so our second program was about school gardens. So we, we have a, a, a curriculum about garden, nutrition, and compost. And then our third program is all about plastics because on the island here, you know, we kind of see firsthand the impacts of plastic pollution. And so a few years later, we realized, you know, recycling isn't really the end all be all answer. We got to kind of back up a little bit and, and think about reducing and reusing our waste first. So our Plastic Free Hawaii program was born out of that. And so those are three main programs. And then we also support schools with um, field trip grants and project grants. So school teachers can apply for money and take their, their classes on field trips to outdoor sites and also get money to do projects in their classrooms. So we mostly focus on schools, but we also do a lot of work with the community. We coordinate beach cleanups, um, recycling drives, and now we, we actually acquired um, seven acres of ag land. So now we're starting a learning farm. So we're having community members come down and help out with that. So we're basically, we're trying to create behavior change. So Kukua Hawaii Foundation's main goal is to create behavior change. And so we feel like the way to do that is through education, starting with awareness and giving students and adults opportunities to be outside in nature, fall in love with nature, you know, learn like real life skills that connects them to nature. So, you know, gardening, composting, things like that. Because I think the environment the, and issues around the environment can sometimes feel so overwhelming that people get, they don't know where to start. So we wanted to give them real tangible places to start. 
Yeah, that's so awesome. And, you know, you and Jack also started the, the Kokua Festival, which is a festival, you know, that works um, to have as environmentally friendly environment as possible. And it also benefits Kokua Hawaii Foundation. And could you talk about what inspired you to create a music festival to raise awareness for the environment? And also, like, what was your thinking behind that? Yeah. So um, this was early in Jack's career, and he had been invited to play a couple other benefit concerts. And there was two in particular that were really inspirational for him and, and myself. And that was the Bridge School Benefit, which I'm sure you've probably been to with your family. Um, and that was founded by Neil and Peggy Young, and it was a benefit for, their, for the school that they had founded called the Bridge School. And um, the second festival that was really inspiring to us was Farm Aid. So Farm Aid has been going on since, I think it's the early 80s. I, I want to say, I think this might be their 35th anniversary this, this year, coming up next month. And Farm Aid is, you know, they, they pick a different location every time and obviously bringing attention to local farmers and the importance of hanging on to, you know, our agricultural culture here in America and, and just kind of giving a voice to the farmers. And I think musicians and, and seeing these other musicians using their platform to bring attention to these issues was really eye-opening for Jack. And early in his career, seeing that and seeing like, wow, I could... I could do that something like that for my home home state, my hometown, and there wasn't a lot, there wasn't a festival happening in Hawaii at the time, and so that's kind of where the idea came from. And then, because the foundation was focused on environmental education, obviously we wanted the festival to model that, and it wasn't just a fundraiser. Apart from what we were doing at the foundation, we wanted every aspect of the event to mirror what we were trying to do with our programming. So, you know, we used it as kind of this, this environmental um, educational opportunity. And by bringing people together, we, we had a big, um, we called it the Kukua Village. And we, ha we had a lot of um, environmental, um, other nonprofits come in and have tents and tables and do host activities. And we had a bunch of eco-friendly businesses would be partners and they would come and share about their products. So when people came, it wasn't just about the music, obviously they're coming for the music, but they could come and go visit all these booths and, and learn about different things. And we had a keiki stage and keiki in Hawaiian means child or kid. So we had this little kid stage where it was cool because the musicians that came to play would make these secret guest appearances on the keiki stage and play for the kids and we'd have activities for them. So, so that was kind of the activity side, but then how we actually ran the festival, we really wanted to make it as green as possible. So we were you know, trying things that maybe on Jack's regular tours, we couldn't try yet. We were able to, to test them out at the festival. So things like using biodiesel for our generators. And so biodiesel is, is, operates the same as diesel, it's a petroleum product, but biodiesel is made from recycled cooking oil. And so there's actually a um, company on island that was making locally sourced biodiesel from used cooking oil from restaurants and stuff. So we're like, well, why don't we try powering our generators on this biodiesel stuff? And it turned out to be fine. Um, and then we also really worked closely with the concessions on what they were serving. Because we know when you go to a concert, you know, at the end of the concert, there's usually like plastic cups all over the ground and 
you know, a lot of waste, especially at festivals that are, you know, more people. And so we really wanted to make an effort to reduce the waste. And so we'd work with our concessions on that, um, seeing if they were open to reusable water bottles and water refill stations and things like that. So, so we really were able to kind of develop um, and, and test out these ideas at the festival. Yeah, thank you for bringing that, that up because that segues perfectly into our next question, which is um, just like with the Cocoa Festival, you got your commitment to sustainability is centered around touring with green initiatives such as the All At Once campaign. Um, so could you talk a little bit about what inspired you there and why this is so important to you? Yes. So, so you know, we we're doing all this stuff at home in Hawaii and at the Kukua Festival for, Kukua Festival for a few years. And we realized, you know, here Jack goes on tour, in, in, you know, not just in North America, but internationally in Europe and Australia and all these places. And that has a huge carbon footprint, you know, when you're traveling on buses and airplanes. And so we really took a hard look at how we could apply what we were learning at the Kukua Festival to our, and apply it to our tours around the world. And you know, working with our tour crew and the, the venues and promoters that we work with in every town. So we kind of took these lessons learned and, um, you know, we actually were able to, to find a bus company that was open to running their buses on biodiesel. And so that was like huge for us because, you know, all, you know, cutting out that petroleum and, and replacing it with biodiesel. Um, and then on the venue side, we were able to work with venues and, you know, encourage them to offer the water refill stations at all of our shows. And we started touring with these, these portable water refill stations. Um, and then a lot, and a lot of venues had rules, like they said, you know, people can't bring in a reusable water bottle because it wasn't safe. So we would kind of work with them and say, well, you know, can we, can we revisit that rule for Jack's show? You know, it's not, his isn't really, you know, hardcore music. I don't think people are going to be throwing these water bottles around. So they would give us a chance and then they see, oh, wow, that was really successful. It really did cut down on the waste. There's less water bottles all over the ground. And so we would make these little baby steps. So over the years, you know, now it's been 15 years later that, you know, we've been working at these greening practices and we have these relationships with our promoters and venue managers. And, and so when we come to them now with a new crazy idea, they're a little more open to it. So lately we've been working closely with them on creating pint cut programs. So that's like a reusable program where instead of getting a new plastic cup every time someone gets a reusable cup at the beginning of the night and uses that same cup over and over again and gets refills, or maybe they turn that cup in and get a clean one, but that, that other dirty cup gets washed. So we're really just always trying to work together with, with the venues and the promoters on you know, pushing the envelope on what we can, how can we do this better? Um, and then the all at once campaign, you know, cause there's like, all of that happens kind of behind the scenes. And that's like, you know, more the business side where we negotiate with, um, you know, promoters and venues, but we realized that fans have such an important part and in all of this, you know, they have, they have a voice, but they're actually the ones like they're attending the concert. So they need to be, they need to be excited by these initiatives and bought in and, and know the reasons behind it. So that's where kind of the education component comes back in and, and kind of my teacher hat comes back on. And so the All at Once campaign was formed to kind of 
bring the fans into the fold and kind of get them excited about these initiatives and get them um, having a purpose to it too. So they could come and, to the concert and, and understand what we were doing and why. And so we, we created this incentive program and it's, we called it our all at once passport. And at first it was like actually a printed passport that you would get stamps in and you would get the stamps for doing different things. Like if you went to the water station, you would get a stamp. If you um, carpooled to the show, you would get a stamp. If you recycled something, you would get a stamp. If you used a reusable pint cup, you would get a stamp. And if you've got so many stamps, you got entered into win side stage access to watch a show, which we called best seats in the house. Um, and so that, that passport evolved and now we have an app. So now people do it all through the app. So we're going paperless, but these, you know, kind of involving the fans into the whole greening was really the tipping point for us because people engaged and they understood why we were doing it. And we also took a little bit of the Kukua Festival concept and we invited local nonprofits to have tables at the show and kind of created this mini Kukua village, which we call the Village Green. And so the, in each town that we go to, we would have a not, you know, like up to 10 nonprofit partners that were at the show. And that way people could connect with organizations in their town working on environmental issues, whether that be, you know, garden, you know, garden programs, tree planting, you know, waste reduction, you know, the plastics issue. Um, groups such as Surfrider have been longtime partners of ours and they they send out reps to lots of our shows. So we just kind of took a little seed from the festival and planted it at all the shows along the way. Yeah, that's that's so awesome. And um, another organization you've done a lot of work with is Reverb. Um, could you tell us what you like about that organization? And can you envision a future where the majority of like bands and performers are using Reverb or other organizations whose focus is helping people do their jobs in a more sustainable way? Yes, I would love to see that happen. Um, so Reverb has been at this a long time. We first started working with them in 2005. And then they actually were very influential in helping us develop and implement the All at Once campaign when we did that in 2008. And then ever since then, they've, we've had a reverb rep on every single tour since then. Um, and they, they're what make it, hap make it happen. So, you know, we might have the ideas and say, oh, we want to do this, we want to do that. But they're the, they're the doers where they send out someone who's actually setting up that water station at every show and breaking it down at the end of the show. They're, you know, they're doing the, um, putting the recycling bins and all the backstage restrooms and putting the big refillable water jug on your bus. And, you know, they're having the, the um, advance calls with the venues and the promoters, you know, six months out of the, of the tour to set these things all in place. So organization, what Reverb does is so important. And I, I've seen over the years more and more bands using them and it's just so exciting. And I know Billie Eilish is kind of one of their, their newest um, bands and she's amazing and you know part of that younger generation. So it's been really exciting to see that it's not just the same old bands using reverb, but they're, you know, these younger bands and artists are, are you know, just as excited and wanting to do these campaigns. So I hope that, like you said, in the future, this will just be another position that every tour has. You know, you have your sound engineer 
you have your guitar techs, you have your grips, you know, you're going to have your, your tour greening coordinator. And it just is part of, part of the staff. And, and I also see at venues and that they, same thing, venues will also need their sustainability coordinator and at festivals. And we do see a, a lot of festivals now, they have the, these positions. It's, it's been eye-opening and it's, and as soon as we you have someone dedicated to this, like looking at these things critically, that's when real change starts happening. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned earlier that being on Hawaii, you guys see so much of this plastic waste show up literally. Yeah. Um, do you feel a responsibility because of the fact that you live in Hawaii and you see it so firsthand? Um, to give back to our environment and what can you say to people who live in metropolitan cities or better known as concrete jungles who may not see it and may not therefore feel motivated to help the environment or may not even be aware of the harm that is currently affecting our planet true that's a good question so first the, the first part about living in Hawaii so I actually grew up in California but I've been here for a long time but living on an island, you definitely see the impacts faster. And um, you know, global warming, we see we're seeing sea level rise, you know, on a daily basis. It's crazy to, you know, the erosion. And then with the plastic pollution, just down the street from our house, there's the whole windward side of the island, the east side. You know, the, the, it's crazy. You go one day and you do a beach cleanup, you could go three days later and there's just as much trash there. It's just washing up on the shore. And so, yes, like living on an island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, you, you see it firsthand and that definitely puts a weight on your shoulders and, you know, you feel a responsibility to, to do something about it. Um, but like I said earlier, it's, I try not to get overwhelmed because it can be overwhelming um, and try to look at you know, what can I do individually and what can, you know, the programs that we put in place to inspire other people to do individually, because I really believe collectively we can make this bigger change. And so how that translates to people who don't live on an island, I think, you know, they have, they see their, their own issues. You know, I don't think anyone, even if you live in the middle of, of a city, I don't think you're um, blind to what's going on. It, it was, those issues just might present themselves in different ways. Um, I know like, food insecurity is definitely a byproduct of, of the environment issues, you know, and climate change. And so, you know, that there's a trickle down. So, um, and it's, it's about teaching people that connection, you know? Um, and so we've seen a lot of them and we work with a lot of great partners that do similar programs to ours in the inner cities and and i've visited rooftop gardens in chicago and bar on gardens on barges in new york city and and it's inspiring to see like where what people can do in like a vacant lot you know like making a community garden and so i think finding where you can you know finding that hope and finding you know a place to do those things so i so i i think being on island yes it's it's definitely eye-opening but I feel like every we're all we're all touched by this yeah and our and our last question is we would just love to know in which ways you and your family make sure that you are living in a sustainable way every day and what advice you can give to people when it comes to like fixing bad habits and just how they can be more mindful yes good question so you know there's the big ones like 
putting solar on your roof and um, driving an electric car if you can, but you know, not everyone can afford those things. And I really do believe the little things matter. So, you know, we have our own garden, we grow a lot of our own vegetables and herbs. Um, and then we obviously just try to like cut down on our waste. The more you grow in your garden, the less you're buying from the store and in packaging. So that has an, you know, a ripple effect there. Um, and lately I've been trying to be really conscious about, you know, how to further reduce plastics. I've been really good about taking my own bags to the store and using reusable water bottles and reusable utensil sets and all those things for a long time, but just taking a critical look on, at other things. So uh, my daughter and I are trying um, bar shampoo and conditioner. So to try to cut out <laughs> the plastic packaging from those things. And, um, you know, I also think it's important just, you know, to just try to like live lighter, you know, like less stuff. I think we are in this world that's used to more the better. And I, you know, try to, you know, shift, downshift a little bit. Um, I've always been, I've always loved thrift stores ever since high school. And so, you know, like, you know, just buying used clothes, you know, it's kind of a fun adventure anyways, finding cool stuff at the thrift store. But uh, part of the new project in, that we're doing with Kukua in addition to the seven acre learning farm is we're gonna have a couple new shops and one of them's gonna be a refill shop. So people can come in and bring their reusable containers and fill up on household cleaning products and shampoo and conditioner, all those kinds of things. And then the other part of the shop we're gonna have is a vintage store with fun, you know, recycled clothes and books and records and all that stuff. So, so you know, you can make it fun. It doesn't have to be, you know, things feel like a sacrifice. Yeah, those are amazing ways to like start changing our bad habits and, and think about the environment in a more sustainable way. Um, thank you so much, Kim, for meeting with us and for all that you do for our planet. Wow. Now that the conversation is over, it's time to take action. So please go check out the KokuaHawaiiFoundation.org and get involved by either becoming a member, volunteering, donating, and so much more. Also go check out Reverb.org where you can look into their campaigns and volunteer. And also, as we're getting closer to this extremely important election, which definitely involves the environment, um, please make sure to go check out our partnership with Headcount and make sure that you're registered to vote at headcount.org dash let's talk. Thank you girls, that was fun. Thanks so much.